helping with clean and tiny really and no reason. No reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a lizard. Who? Steve, he's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> This is a shakedown. <laughs> uh, F22 Triathlon Therapy Podcast with Tim the Insomniac Reed and Danny the <laughs> Nervous Athlete for this weekend, McKenna. Oh, um, Danny, I forgot that you are racing. Um, how's it all going? I just, mate, it still blows my mind. Having done one Ironman, my last Ironman, pretty much on age group hours, far out. It is a it's a hard ride. <laughs> you must be waiting. You must be. You must be uh, pretty excited about it. I haven't done. It, I haven't done even a local race this year. This is the only race I'll have done in 2023. So if it goes to shit, then that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weekends results or weekends races, uh, which will probably lead into what today's mostly about, which is the Busso um, race challenge, Canberra, um, back and guard. Got the win there in the men's race, but um, Caleb and did- Kurt, Caleb and Kurt put it to him. Kurt McDonald got off the bike in front of him, which was good to see. And then the first few Ks ran with him. Um, Caleb took a wrong turn towards the end and lost a couple of minutes, but he he freely admitted that he was off the back of those two already. So uh, he was third, but yeah, Daniel looking pretty good for next weekend. Um, and then. In the females, it looked like a really good race. Uh, Fenella Langridge got off 30 seconds ahead of Els Visser. They got back together at about 5K and ran all the way till the end, and Els out-sprinted her. So yet again, the females putting on a better show than the men. Um, <laughs> Isn't it good to see the Euros coming down under? Um, I think you never see Americans – well, I shouldn't say that. Rarely see Americans come over, but the Euros are starting to creep over more and more, which is great. Um Daniel racing a week out from Busso, that is a either you've yeah it's either it's a big move. What do you I, think, Clint? I think that especially going from east coast of Australia to west coast of Australia, like I know he's been here for a while at Sunny Coast. Same with Els, she's been at uh, Brisbane, and so they've they've spent some time here, but it's still a pretty solid flight travel time time difference. Like I, I don't think it's like they're some of their shorter trips they get in Europe. But, um, mate, time will tell. Um, hopefully we've got a couple of uh, lovely men who can go over there and put it to him and see how, see how his legs are after it. Because there was a 1,000 metres of climbing in that race, so pretty solid. Oh, that it's deceptive around Canberra. You think that it's um, going to be fast, and it is pretty fast because the roads are really smooth, but you're never on the flat. Everything's up or down, even if it's quite a gradual incline or descent. Um, I th- is Daniel a big high volume trainer? Do you know much about how he trains? Uh, he, I think he does a. I, I'd be guessing, but I, I do see some of his training volume through his videos when I do watch them. Um, yeah, he's a bit. He's pretty solid on the volume, I think. So, mate, yeah, I don't know how. Like, he got through a lot at Sunny Coast, from what I could see, and then we'll see what this week brings and see how he ends up over there. Yeah, because if it's a, if he's anything like Terenzo, who's just got those mega weeks behind him, I could see this working out for him. Um, and if he's anything like 
<laughs> someone like myself, I'd be destroyed. <laughs> I'd be destroyed a week after a 70.3. I remember Ironman um, kindly paid me to run um, the Singapore half marathon a week after winning Thailand 70.3. And I, I genuinely tried and I ran a one, I ran, yeah, like eight, nine minutes slower than I ran in the 70.3 a week earlier. And they thought that I was just jogging around, but I was wincing and crying my whole way around. My legs were so sore. So, yeah, I hope it works out for him. Risky move. Um, uh, there was a few, like, yeah. so Ben Hill raced as well. He, obviously, his local race, it would have been too tempting to just do that one in the last bit of his prep for WA. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting. The, the field looks really good. We'll get to that in a, in a bit with WA. But I guess before that, uh, another race on the weekend was Harvey Bay, um, just north of Brisbane. Always a good race on the calendar that's locally run and people get well behind it. Nick Free won that one on the men's side and Sarah Crowley won the women's. Um, how good are local races? So good. They are they, I just think that the town, the small town races, it's just this vibe that the whole town gets behind it. I think um, there was this period uh, maybe 10 years ago where Ironman was putting on big city races and it sounded good in theory, but I still think the best Ironman races and the best non-Ironman races are always the small town events. Hell the West is a great one. Um, even like even when you race Ironman Australia at Port Macquarie, you know, like just – can you imagine an an Ironman in Sydney? You just you just feel like you're getting in the way of everyone, <laughs> whereas yeah. because no one would care. Whereas everyone knows what it's about in a small town, and I think it's the it's the path forward for every you know special race. It has to be that small town appeal. The first race I ever did was Ironman New Zealand, and that the crowd in Taupo was just like, the, and the atmosphere was just got me hooked on the sport straight away. They love it. That like mm. I, that's probably one of the only places long term that they just get more and more pumped about it every every year. Uh, have you got but, a new micro? Have you got a new microphone, Clint? I do. You I sound do. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is, uh, mate, this is I, getting I, way too professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if we're all the same levels, people won't. Like, be like, what, what show is this? <laughs> yeah. The seven listeners are going to be so pumped about things out of me now. Uh, before we get on to the main topic of WA, um. Want to give a shout out to Joe Skipper. Um, two things that he's done this week that is number five hundred and sixteen. While we love Joe Skipper, number one, he he jumped into a High Rocks event on the weekend, which is like a CrossFit type event, and just threw it out there. Wanted to see, like, he just signed up late, and he didn't go the greatest. But it's really good to see people who are like so amazing at the sport that they do, not being limited by their ego i guess and jumping into something else so thoughts on that one reed maybe maybe now that the ego is taking a hit he won't do it again but <laughs> I, I i reckon it's awesome i mean everyone loves joe and for good reason i think he's very entertaining speaks his mind he's got a great podcast um and yeah i was bloody worried about him when he was talking about how he couldn't remember anything for a while and needed an off season i didn't I don't know enough about it, but it sounded sounded very scary. Um, and what I, way I, to kick off your off season with a CrossFit event that you've never really done before? <laughs> so good on you, Joe. And the other one that he did that I thought was awesome was he's openly on his podcast. He openly called out um, Triathlon UK because they he basically did the long course world champs for UK and already has to pay an exorbitant amount of money for his pro license, and then they've sent him an invoice for 
his entry for that race. And now he's he, he's having it out with them and they've said, look, if, if it's not paid, then we won't be able to give you your pro license for next year. So um, I know this one's probably going to hit home a little bit, Reid. Thoughts on that one? <laughs> oh, I'm not getting involved in that no. one. <laughs> oh, come on. I, I lobbed it up. Nah, I t- it I, 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 if I didn't have to go pick up kids at 3 p.m., I would. I, I don't want to get on a 20-minute rant. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the long and the short of that one, Joe, if you really want to reach a wide audience and talk about it, um, you can come on the podcast here. Mate. Yeah, we should, get, we should get Joe on, actually. Um, he, could, he could probably go a bit crazy on here. and not, we'll, uh, have, we'll have Joe on before... February. That's a promise. Joe, there you go. Yeah. You have no say in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, uh, all right. We'll leave that one alone then. I, I thought you might bite at that one, but um, we'll, we'll get on to the main one for today. Like we put out a thing where on the socials, just saying anyone who's got any questions for WA specifically, um, fire them through and we'll do our best to answer them. Um, Reedy, you put out a couple of good posts last week, I think it was, in terms of like specifics about that course and, and how to attack it. Uh, and then we had a few extra questions come through. So just on that, Clint, sorry, the I did say on the run, you have a quite a strong head and tailwind. And bizarrely, you're going to get a very unusual wind for Bustleton. So you can completely ignore that point. It's going to actually be a crosswind on the run. So, but yeah, interesting for the whole race, actually, it will affect the whole race. The wind is going to be quite different to, to usual. So keep that in mind. A lot of the, or some of the locals there actually messaged and said a few things about the, um, the, uh, the roads are worse at the moment. So obviously have a little think about your pressures in your tires. And also, um, it's the flies have just been insane. So that'll be that's going to make for a, a bit of a curly thing on uh, on race day. But first question we read, let's just jump into them. Coming from New Zealand, is it safe to bring a disc wheel? Uh, I don't know whether that question's in regards to the travel side of things or <laughs> the wind side of things, um, or the or the locals in Busso nicking stuff. Who knows? <laughs> um, I think I was, it's yeah. It's okay, it depends right? on the depends on the disc. People. Traveling with a zip disc, um, man, the amount of times you pull that out of a bag, or I've seen people pull out a bag and it's just got a couple of big divots in it. So you got to be, there's ways to get around it, but you got to be pretty careful. That all the discs that are actually a spoke wheel with a cover are a much safer bet for travel. Um, so in terms of that, I would, yeah, <laughs> I think the, I've a lot of people have asked me about a disc for busser. It seems like everyone's panicking last minute. I've got to get a disc. I've got to get. It is a very marginal gain compared to other things that people should be worrying about. You know, calf sure. calf sleeves give a way bigger benefit than than a disc wheel. If your <laughs> if your wrist is sitting in the wrong position and you've got a watch on, you're probably going to drag get totally. more drag from that watch than you are from between an eighty mil or even a 60 mil in a disc. So, I mean, if you look at Zip's own data, it's about, they, they average it out in a variety of conditions, about 10 seconds per 40K. Your helmet choice could be a minute over 40K. Um, and the other thing about the, 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 now I will say there are certain wind conditions where a disc wheel is an advantage, like especially over quite a shallow wheel, but compared to like an 80 mil depth, wheel you will get a, a nice um sort of lift from across tailwind especially yeah. um and i do think people worry about 
you know, whether they're hard to control and all that sort of thing. It's, it's got to be very bloody windy before a disc wheel really affects your stability too much. Your front wheel is the big factor there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would use one if you got it, if you can borrow one. Um, but I wouldn't be going out and spending three grand thinking that you're going to that it's going to change your race. You've just Dan- got Danny? you've just got so many people in trouble <laughs> with their partners saying that three grand disc wheel is as effective as twenty dollar calf sleeves. <laughs> so, I'd, I'd say the calf sleeves are way more effective for sure. And any guys out there who want to get their mates in trouble, just send that little clip to their partner <laughs> and see how that goes. Danny, are you running a disc over there? No, or you, no, no, no. Cool. So the not, unless, are... not unless Steve wants to donate one. That's how I roll. I just get his hand-me-downs. <laughs> <laughs> on, on Steve then, uh, one of the questions was, what's Steve's race plan and does he have a specific plan for backer guard? We, Danny I, or both? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know because, Reedy, you guys have two dogs in this fight, right? And And all I was thinking as I'm looking at this start line, start list, which is good, is – well, yeah, there's Daniel, but what about Apo? What about Kibby? Who knows what Dick Thompson can do over this distance? Caleb's shown this year that he can do a really fast Ironman. So, and then obviously Matty Burton, the local. So, I don't. And Apo especially keeps standing out to me because I just look at these improvements from um, from Busso last year to to Port Mac. And so, well, it's been how long ago was Port Mac now? So, don't have to obviously give anything away, Reedy, but I reckon he's probably firing if I had to guess. Yeah, I, I won't say too much, but Apo's had a good run. Um, he is, I'm quietly confident he'll have one of his, uh, have a really good day. Um, it's, it, you know what it's like with long haul travel, there's anything could happen. It's easy to get sick. It's, um, he's just had a good run in terms of his own, he, he, Toby hasn't been getting sick. So he hasn't been getting sick, but um, that is, when you have a run like that as a parent, <laughs> the training doesn't have to change. It's just suddenly you feel like you've had the best block ever. Um, so in, in terms yeah. of like a, a specific plan for the athletes, read like that's normally something you'll talk about in the weeks before, but then it'll be like real specific as we see them when we get over there. But And then more so like a plan for someone like Backerguard, like on a day like that, it's more about, I mean, obviously you've got to be reactive, but you've got to execute as well as you can, right? Yeah, so the hard the hardest thing, if it was not for the fact that there's such a big advantage sitting 12 metres behind each other or 10 metres as the rule stands because uh, it's front wheel to front wheel 12 metres, um, if it wasn't for that, you'd just say to your athlete, just do your own steady state time trial and that will give you your fastest day possible. The problem is with the way the rules stand, and I've, you know, I've been banging on about it for a long time, <laughs> that with that with that rule, then suddenly it has to become very tactical. Um, so... Yeah, we've. I've talked to actually spoke to Steve a bit this morning about it, about the different situations and how long he can push up to a certain wattage for before it starts to become silly and he's got to let people go. Uh, Steve is just one of those lucky bastards who can not necessarily have the best prep, but still could be still could very easily win the race. And uh, he's just that talented, but also just loves racing hard. So, um. But yeah, we've run through a few different scenarios and I think um, we know he's got these different ceilings that we're working on for certain certain amounts of time. Um, oh, you've set it up perfectly for the next question, Reedy. Speaking mm-hmm. of ceilings, is there a generalised danger zone for your heart rate during the ride and run on a hot day <laughs> like Busso will likely be? 
That's why I like heart rate because people go into Kona, for example, with this power number that they want to, that they've been doing in training and working towards and don't factor in the heat stress and then, you know, obviously blow themselves up trying to hold what they, you know, or, or they get really upset because they hold 20, 30 watts less, just ne- totally forgetting how hard it is to to operate in that sort of heat. Um, so danger zone. Danger but- zone is basically any, everyone's got a danger zone in Ironman. You want to steer clear of that point where you start to really churn through muscle glycogen. Um and every, everyone's point will be slightly different dep- depending on how metabolically flexible they are and well-trained. Um, I think for most age groupers, like obviously the front-end age groupers and the pros, it's different. But like it, a simple way to think of it is it's a long day just above easy effort with a pretty hard 15, 10 to 15K run at the end. If you if you spend a lot of your day around just just above easy, then I think you're setting yourself up pretty well. Uh, this is for this is for most uh, age groupers not trying to win their age groups. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. guys who are trying <laughs> just, to, like they yeah. don't. Yeah, the, the ones obviously who are who are trying to win their age and, and be at the pointy end. It's a little different, but like that's probably one of the best explanations an athlete's given me in the past. They're like, it's just kind of a long day, just above easy, isn't it? And I'm like, yo, if you stay there and you don't let your ego go, then you're probably going to execute it pretty well. Anything above that, you're probably in your danger zone that you were talking about, whoever asked that question. <laughs> and, and for the more elite, um, typically, you know, you you want to steer clear. I, I try and get them to say, you know, at least, at least, you know, the max ceiling is sort of 10 beats below anaerobic threshold or LT2. And then, and that's you don't even want to be that close. That's just like if you have to surge for a certain reason or whatever else. It's it's just it's just a big long steady day out. And it, like you said, um, it's funny. <laughs> I I love to make things as complicated as I could trying to get an Ironman right. And it wasn't until I messed up Busso in two thousand and fifteen. Um, fairly overtrained. Had a good win going into it, which is a classic case of probably mistimed the peak. Um. And Burkle said to me, I think it was the day before Ironman Australia, the year I won that. He's like, mate, just stop going hard. Just just do the whole thing easy. And I did that and it worked out. <laughs> you know, like it was just a different mentality. You didn't race anyone. And and because it's going to just the distance itself is what makes it hard. So um, for the stronger guys, if I was trying to describe a um, feeling that they're going through, I always say smooth, solid. So yep. it's you're never gasping, but you are you are it does take some quite a bit of focus to stay in that at that uh, intensity and and for you danny the danger zone is if you're vomiting you, you're about where you should be all right mate so you just <laughs> go hard and see what happens uh next one tips for tips for not stiffening up on the bike in your aero position in busso given how flat the course is mm. It's we're too late now, guys. <laughs> you haven't spent a lot of time in your time trial position and you aren't comfortable in that position. I think the the only way to mitigate it really is to kind of break aero. So use those, use your aid stations to sit up and stretch, use the tailwind times to sit up and stretch. Uh, but when you're pushing into a headwind, you've got to make yourself as small as possible. But yeah, just choose the times to break arrow, I guess, Reid or Danny. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. If you haven't done it now, like if you're not super comfy in your TT position, 
good luck. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna suck. <laughs> there's a few, um, there's a few turn points as well throughout the yep. throughout the course. So that's, I think there's at least seven or eight of them, right? So yeah. yeah. So when you get to those positions in the course, it's a good time to stand up, stretch your back, like flex the other way. Move your hips side to side. Show us, of... show us, show us the stretches. <laughs> Stand up, get up. <laughs> I got no show pants us... on. I can't. Do, 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 do. I want to see the hip thrust. <laughs> we want a little bit of side to side. <laughs> we, want, we want a little bit of this. Yeah, that one. This is more after party <laughs> stuff, isn't it? <laughs> we Basically, want bit... just yeah. twerking into every corner. <laughs> yeah, we want to see. We want to see twerking at the turnarounds um, <laughs> and through the aid stations. Um, <laughs> But yeah, seriously, choose the times to be out of aero because if you haven't done the work now in that position, you're not comfortable, then you, you need to be pretty um, specific with when you're doing it. Uh, next one, tips for someone recovering from COVID one week out from full Ironman at Busso. I I did I did my last Ironman a week or 10 days after COVID. Uh, it's not a smart thing to do. I like... I think I was actually fairly well recovered, but I've had other athletes where it's taken six weeks to get their recovery scores back to normal. Yeah. It's so simple. basically I wouldn't do it unless your resting heart rate is, you feel great, your resting heart rate great is great, and HIV is totally normal. Otherwise, I think you're taking a big risk with your health and yeah. it would be a bad mistake. We, we will say that none of us are medical professionals, therefore you should well, seek, seek me- medical advice. But from our point of view, when yeah. people have done it, like, I mean, it's a, a small survey, but a fair few have done. Uh, it's gone anywhere from, for my guys, completely fine, but to absolutely terrible. And what Reedy said, it took a very long time to recover from. And like, yeah, really long-term stuff. So yeah, you've got to you've got to make sure that you you're recovered and you're ready to go before diving into an Ironman. Mm. Uh, next one: Are you having to manage athlete anxiety around COVID and general sickness, which has been going around lately? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that pops up is everyone has a little injury they're not sure about ten days out from an yep. Ironman, and it's something that if it was six weeks out. The athlete would not think twice about it. Oh, a little bit of a yep. little bit sore here. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so yet again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yet again, like there's not much you can do now about the being sick in, in before the race. But when you're with travel, like I always tell my athletes, even before COVID, I used to wear a mask every time I travel, like to races that I cared about. And you just bathe yourself in um in hand sanitizer and just stay away from everyone but you just got to choose your battles right like if i i we all know that kids are pretty uh susceptible to being sick and really really probably fought this fight for a few years but like you know you steer clear of kids birthdays you steer clear of that kind of stuff in the lead up and then if you can't you just got to um play it as it lies if you get sick it's all part of it right Reed? Yep, that's right. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Like, so, and when people ring and say, oh, you know, my, my partner's sick yeah, um, or like my kids are sick or whatever, like the rude person inside of me probably want, wants to say, well, what do you, what can I do for you? You know, I, there's nothing we can do, but like you've just got to choose what you, what you do. Like if you want to sleep in a separate room to try and limit the chances of you getting sick, then do it. But if you're not comfortable doing that because the race doesn't mean that much to you, then... Crazy on up. <laughs>
Uh, that's it for Bustleton questions. Uh, we've got some other fan questions that we'll address in the coming weeks. But before we go, I think um, <laughs> one thing we should definitely mention is the retirement of Sebastian Keenlay, um, one of the guys who's been around forever. Reedy, you probably know more about him than I do. Um, weird way to retire, but kind of cool. What are your thoughts on that one? In what way was it weird? Sorry, just well, the, he just the whole, the whole he an- oh, yeah, he announced the year it of- so yeah, he announced it so far out, and I don't know. Like, I mean, there's no right or wrong way to to retire, right? But like, he announced it so far out, and then it was like, I, I feel like that, and he did some epic races uh, in oh, the last man. year. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's just I, I feel like that almost puts a a bit of a unnecessary pressure on him to perform in the last year, maybe or maybe not. You'd know more than I would read. I don't know. Yeah, I guess everyone goes about it their own way. Um, like, what a crazy career he had, though. Like, he, I, I was an age grouper watching, following him, and he sort of got me really inspired as an athlete. Uh, and so then to race alongside him, um, you know, what do you have? Two seventy point three world titles, Kona uh, World Championship to his name. Um, he's won Roth, I don't know, two or three times. Heaps of other, just amazing. He was just always up there in every race. What I really like about Sebi too was pretty normal off the course. Um, you know, very relaxed. He's got a really very um, sarcastic, funny sense of humour. Uh, I'm just a big fan all around. You know, normally all of my, a lot of the people you grow up admiring, <laughs> and I say grow up and we're the same age, but um, <laughs> uh, a lot of people, you just, if you ever meet them, often it's really disappointing. And, you know, I've often said it, Crowey's one that's just never disappointed me. He's always just been, you know, just just a legend off the course as well. Sebi's the same. Um, they're just fun to hang out with. And, and congratulations, Sebi. I have... You know, I know you're probably not listening, but um, you're he a bloody legend. <laughs> we'll get we'll get Sebi on too. But well, yeah, now, he'll, we, he'll now have he's a, done. Yeah, he'll now have he's a done. he'll have a whole list of podcasts he's doing. So we'll wait a while and then hit him up when he's yeah. starting to miss um, an <laughs> miss absolute <some> attention. <laughs> an absolute like pioneer of the aerodynamic stuff, right, Reedy? And like the oh, like way yeah. like I think we talked about it when like maybe. 2012 2014 he was so far ahead of the game especially like specifically in hawaii and he posted for his iron man cozumel and he said on strava it said not the strongest legs in the biz anymore but probably still one of the fastest setups with a smiley (laughs) smiley face and it was a 402 30 for 252 watts so mate it's 40 it's 44 and a half k an hour i would ride 250 watts you know i just this is the only the only the thing that really wants me to make a comeback is just to now that I realize how important aerodynamics is, like I always knew it, but it was just a case of in Australia it was a bit tricky and I was a bit like Steve. There was always one race I wanted to do, so I didn't have time. You know, and now I look at it, I'm like, I could have been so I could have saved so many watts when I look at what Sebi's as a pretty big guy, he'd be 73 to 75 kilos, I imagine. Um, but yeah, absolute pioneer. He, he said to me that the year he won Kona and I don't, I don't think he'd mind me sharing this was he knew on the start line that he had a 30 watt advantage over everyone else on the field Oh, and 30 watts, 30 watts at that level is, I mean, he's still, I I imagine he still was holding pretty beastly power as well, but, um, that's, 
I mean, that it's not just like the difference between first and third. That's the difference between first and eighth. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it's huge. Um, or potentially could be the difference between first and eighth on a so on a tight sh- race. Shout out yeah. to Sevi, and we will talk to you soon when you come on the podcast. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I reckon he'll come on for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is that it? That'll be it, eh? <laughs> that's, just, that's how we're going to wrap it up. See you. Even, uh, all right, I'll go and get the kids. Uh, right, so <laughs> we're going to we're going to make this one quick because we're going to do a long one. Um, I'm going to corner back and guard in a back alley at Musselton and and record yeah. him whether he likes it or not. Yeah, um, I mean we've got to have a chat about the fisting side of things too. He said he was going to fist Caleb, and he said he was going to fist Steve. Uh, <laughs> I I thought, oh, he must have just be a bit lost in translation with that. Like that's very aggressive. And then I listen to him, <laughs> listen to him speak. He speaks perfect English. Uh, <laughs> he knows what he's saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I there's some really good age group stories too. So I got a couple of people. One in particular that I think would be great to have on, who went from not being able to walk a couple of years ago with an autoimmune disease to coming back in style, and is about to. Yeah, crush an Iron Man, I think. Um, so, yeah, we'll get him on as well. That should do us. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. And see you in WA. See you soon. Bye. Get up on your feet. This is a shakedown.